Money Show. Personal Finance with Warren Ingram. Welcome back to The Money Show. My name is Mateo Kwaripe, standing in for Bruce Whitfield, who's having a long weekend this weekend. Now we go on to our personal finance feature. According to a Magnify Money survey, it found that 22% of Gen Zers and Millennials are getting some financial support from their parents in various ways, be it from moving back home or getting help to pay their bills. Now this can all be avoided if we teach our children about money at an early age. And that's why we have Warren Ingram, now personal financial advisor and executive director at Galileo Capital. Warren, when do we even start with the conversation uh, with our kids? Um, I, I think it starts as early as possible. You know, fr- fr- from from soon after we've taught our kids to to learn to read and write and uh, and do some sums. I, I think that's the age where we start uh, w- with with the most simple money lessons we can. Uh, and, and I think we should never stop. You know, I think uh, you know as, uh, parents should take a lot of responsibility for for kind of giving their kids very basic day-to-day money lessons and then also ingraining that that those money lessons into you know sound money behavior but but the short answer is it's never too soon to start now when i was growing up i grew up in a very conservative home in terms of money you couldn't see the pay slips you never knew when we were in trouble but you could see it as a kid but you never really knew um, you know uh, or had any voice uh, to speak about money with your parents but i now have a two-year-old you know um you know what are the some of the things that should be setting up in terms of his financial future and making sure that i get him started early am i calling you know banks am i calling uh, financial providers in terms of insurance or setting up a trust what am i doing first well it's uh, um, i mean it's amazing that, uh, that that you can kind of break that family uh, you know tradition that you had you know the, cult, the culture that you grew up in uh, to, to to kind of look at it and go okay hang on uh, you know this isn't necessarily the way and i think it's very hard for people uh, of all cultures to talk about money you know i i just think you know me growing up i had the same experience as you there was you know we just never discussed money it was it was probably rude i you know i don't, I don't know it was just not not something i ever thought about so I, I think it starts with saying, you know, w- w- when your children are very young, uh, it's maybe starting to talk about uh, what is it that they want and what is it that they need, because that's kind of a lesson that if we can learn that really young, it really helps us when we get older. You know, um, tr- trying to explain to someone who's 25 years old that you don't absolutely need the latest uh, iPhone, you know, the the one that's the generation before is is, is almost as good and and certainly a heck of a lot cheaper. You know, I, I think there are lots of people that don't understand the difference between want and need. So, so, so in, in granting that, uh, you know, that understanding in, in children when they're young, I think is very good. Uh, and then also just starting to teach them a little bit about, uh, about pocket money, for example. So to say, okay, you know, you want this. Uh, it's not something that you need. It's not basic food or basic clothing. It's something that, that is clearly a, a, a luxury enough. Uh, then how are we going to? get there how how are you as the child and me as the parents can 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 work a plan to get to the point where you can you can actually afford this thing because i think uh, you, you know the product questions that you're talking about in terms of of, of starting savings are, i think are also key but but the behavior is is really important and and getting that first sort of uh, you know pocket money lesson is really important and then also if, if it's difficult to and, and i agree with it you know that, that maybe we don't tell our, our our children what we earn and 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 what the whole family spends but but surely we can say uh, you, you know at the start of the year we all want to go on holiday at the end of the year 
this is the budget that we've got for, for a holiday. Uh, where are we going? How are we going to fit everything in that you want to do, that I want to do as the parents? Um, this is the kind of money that it costs. Why don't you go and research accommodation? You know, go check out Airbnb or whatever it is that you want to look at to, to find accommodation um, and, and, and make, make children part of the budgeting process for, for smaller, simpler things where, where you're not kind of, you know, expecting them to understand all of the salary and taxes. So, so I think for me, that would probably be the starting point. In terms of uh, the, the products, I, I think as soon as your child is born, starting a tax-free savings account is, to, to me, the best thing that you could do for, for, for a child. You know, and, and getting them, you know, when you started, uh, you know, it's, it's not they, they obviously won't know when they're born what, what's going on. But but when they get a bit older, you know, using a tax-free savings account and the investment inside there as part of their financial education process, I think, is brilliant. Just really simply, I would I would choose something that's you know very generic, like a top 40 index, uh, and, you know, ETF for, for their tax-free savings account and maybe adding a world index inside that. And, and then as they get older, you start to, you know, go, go into the product information of those to say, well, what's, what are actually the companies in the top 40 index? And let's do a bit of reading about those companies so that you start to understand when, you know, you walk past Fashinis and you see, you know, the, the, the Fashini shop, you can actually read about the Fashini group and how great their results were in the last while. Or, you know, conversely, if they have a lousy time, you know, let's start to talk about that. And I don't think parents need to be kind of financial geniuses, but but there is a lot that parents can do with with, with a little bit of research, and then ingraining that behavior is a huge issue. I think you, you know I, I think for me the the biggest difference a parent can make in a child's life is just trying to instill some of that financial discipline, understanding you know that that what comes in on a monthly basis we can't spend all of it, but because there are lots of adults that just never get that right, and and, and I think it starts at home. You know, so many times yeah. when, when we talk to parents, they say you know they say. Gee, this is something I wish the schools would teach. And, and to me, you know, maybe it should be financial literacy should be part of the education at school, but surely the behavior patterns be starting uh, are, at home. are at home. You know, it's not, it's not at school. And, you know, I'm glad you, you touched on adults and parents. I mean, because you and a partner could be from different homes. Maybe you are from a wealthy home and your partner was from, you know, middle class, maybe blue collar home. And, you know, spending patterns were different. Then holidays were also different. How do you make sure you team up as parents if you are in, you know, a nuclear family? Or how do you make sure you and your partner are on the same level in terms of teaching those money lessons to children? Yeah, and if you look at our country, I mean, so many of our people in our country, you know, th- th- there might be, uh, we might be in, in the first generation of income earners in the formal sector where, where parents just had simply no ability to, to, to work in the formal sector, no access to bank accounts, et cetera. So, so, so this financial, you know, financial education is is a huge issue and and then especially as you say if 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 the two, two parents in a with, with the young child are are from very different backgrounds even more so 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 i think it starts with with just some open honest conversations to say well you know if i grew up in a family where, where we've we had a bit more money and and you know you didn't then perhaps you know i've, I've got some resources that we can call on, uh, you know, to, to, to kind of, and, and some, some experience that we can call on to, to deal with these issues and talk about them plainly. But, but I think it starts, you know, almost before, before you have children to say, what are, what are our plans? What are the things that we want our child to learn? Uh, and, and surely, you know, any, any great parenting team, you know, it's always going to be about teamwork and, and developing some sort of, some element of consistency about how both parents will, will address issues like discipline, like money. Uh, and, and I think, uh, you know, just saying, okay, well, um, you know, I'm comfortable with money. If, if one parent is more comfortable 
to yeah. say, well, let, let me take some of the responsibility for, for this part of it. You take responsibility for another part. All right, that's Warren Ingram who's speaking to us about giving your children a head start by teaching them about money. He is, of course, speaking to us in our personal finance feature and telling parents really to start as early as possible with those money lessons and not wait until it's too late. We've seen how millennials have, uh, you know, really... uh, relied on their parents for money later on in life and if we do fix these lessons at an early stage we can make sure that children have the best start in their financial future the money show personal finance with warren ingram uh, personal finance with warren ingram there and now warren we had a question from a young professional he says he's 29 years old says, I work for a renewable energy company and I believe it is the future. Renewable and sustainable energy will certainly help with South Africa's load shedding problem and saving the planet. I believe in what I do. I want to invest as much as possible in this sector. Would it be wise to invest most of my savings in an ETF that is specifically focused in the sector, Warren? The absolutely brilliant question. So, so I want to kind of separate the, the answer into two parts. One, one is just in principle, you know, investing in a sector in which you work, uh, and then, and then specific to, to sustainable, in, uh, sustainable investments. So, so I, I always think, you, you know, there was, uh, there, there was a time when a lot of people would, would, you know, invest heavily in, in the sector in which their company was operating. So, you know, if you were in energy, you would, you would invest in the energy sector. And, uh, and, and the problem with that is, that, that you have your your daily and monthly income, you know, coming from the same sector where where all your investments are are, are allocated as yeah. well, and 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 that you know when, when times are good, that's a brilliant place. You know, you, you you have great information about the sector, you feel good about it, but when times are bad, uh, you, you know, suddenly you, you know your job might be in jeopardy, or you might not be getting bonuses, or you have to take pay cuts, and and, and particularly your investments might really be suffering. You know, if your sector as a whole is going through. A bad time. So, so I always think, you know, as a, as a professional in a particular sector or anybody working in a particular sector, tr- try and get some diversification of your investments away from the sector in which you work. That, that's not to say don't invest some of your money in, in, in something that you know very well. I mean, that, that makes all the sense in the world to me because you've got a, an area of expertise that other people don't have. But at the same time, make sure that a solid chunk of your money, you know, I think it should be kind of 80 or 90% of your investments are, are, are diversified far away from the sector in which you work, if it's at all possible. So, so just, you know, just to me that, you know, diversification is always the best antidote to, to kind of any uncertainty. And the world is such an uncertain place that, you know, diversification is a key. In terms of of investing in sustainable ETFs, uh, I, it's it's a problem for me in South Africa because I think there are actually probably only one or two shares that really truly meet the definition of sustainable investments. You know, I'm not even just talking about renewable energy alone, but just just on on the whole. You know, I think there's a lot of greenwashing in South Africa, unfortunately. Yeah. So so I think if you if you're going to do it, uh, you know, it needs to be global. Uh, there, there are some solid ETFs around the world, that, you know, that are that are a bit more sophisticated, doing a bit more work on on making sure that your money is uh, you know invested in the, in the sector that you really want it to be. But but unfortunately for me right now. 
are, I hope it's not a cynical view, but I, I wouldn't be allocating money to, to, to specifically in South Africa, renewable businesses that are listed. I think there might be some private companies that are, that are, are making headway in the sector, but, but certainly not in the, uh, not in the listed space. And, and I can't find an ETF that's South African focused that, that, that I would put money into. But, but globally, yeah, I, I think it's a great idea. Um, and I certainly think it is the future, but, it's one of those things where we can see a trend and we all believe in it, but that doesn't yeah, I mean, necessarily I see, mean that see, the earliest. Oh, pardon now, Warren. I see what uh, Lungile, the, 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 the listener who gave us this question, is going here. Because I mean, when you look at South Africa and you look at the energy sector, you know, there is a need for renewable energy. And obviously the opportunity then is that you can you win in terms of putting your money there uh, in a form of an investment. But I do get what you're saying that perhaps overseas the market is more advanced and there are companies that are way ahead in terms of delivering on renewable energy. And, and that's our problem in South Africa is absolute lack of choice. You know, our, our stock market is actually really small, you know, and, and, and I mean that not just in size, but actually the, just the number of shares uh, on, on the JSC is actually very small and it's getting less and less every single year. Uh, and, and so we're not really spoiled for choice across many different sectors. And then specifically in this area, you, you know, we, we have this massive demand for energy, as we all know, but uh, but, you know, a lot of these projects where we see, you know, either big solar plants or big wind plants, they're all, they're private, you know, they're private enterprises that are, are staying away from the listed markets altogether. You know, they're, they're already massively overregulated by, by NERSA and the minerals and energy department. And, and I think they're just really skeptical of adding another layer of regulation being the JSE on top of that. You know, it's just too much bureaucracy and, and far too expensive for them to, to, to run. So, so I think that unfortunately in South Africa, that's the problem. We don't have a lot of choice whereas globally you know the, the the sectors are well regulated but efficiently regulated by by competent regulators so the the costs of of being listed then are much lower and companies can allocate more of their their money to actually generating electricity at a profitable margin for shareholders and and i think that's a problem we have in south africa you know we, we don't have visionary regulators we we don't you know we've got a government that talks the talk but you know yeah. delivery on the ground is a different story at the moment and Warren, you know, when you look at um, these different portfolios in terms of renewable energy, we're also seeing a boon for, um, you know, fossil fuels. Um, we're seeing gas prices go up. We're seeing oil prices, brand prices go up. You know, should Lungile then be looking at the old world and also the new world in terms of investing? Because it's not the fact that, you know, fossil fuels will be out, down and out tomorrow. It's still going to take a, a long time to wind down those industries. I think it's a it's a tough one when when you're looking for investments that maybe conflict with your values as well. You know, and I think that's the the, the trick for someone like Lungili is oh. you know, if it's a pure investment conversation, uh, that's one thing. But but if you fundamentally believe in renewable energy and 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 maybe fundamentally are opposed to 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 kind of destroying the environment, you know, then then there might be an issue around around fossil fuels. My only comment there is we need to be careful. You know, when you look at these really large. Uh, fossil fuel companies that they, they, they are transforming themselves into energy businesses and and mm. you know they have the ability with all the money that they're generating if they really direct that to renewable energy in a big way they might be the ones that actually transform the way energy is done around the world and then holding money back from them could be really counterproductive to a bigger goal but but you really have to do your homework in that in that field and i think it's massively complex at the moment 
Let's have a look now at our phrase of the week, uh, Warren. You know, when I first heard the word Nikai, I, I think it was an advert on TV about sharp knives that came, came from Japan and how these Nikai knives <laughs> would last for a very, very long time. Our phrase for the week uh, this week is the Nikai Index. What is it? What companies are there? And can I get some value in terms of uh, uh, stocks and shares there coming out from Japan? Yeah, so 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 you you hit the nail on the head. It is it is an index. Uh, in, in South Africa, we, we we're so used to nowadays the 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 top forty index, which are you know the forty biggest companies on on the stock exchange here. Uh, we we hear a lot about the Dow and 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 some other indices around the world. And and the 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 equivalent of the top forty index in Japan is the is the Nikkei. Uh, it's it's a it's a much bigger uh, index. It consists of uh, of the two hundred and twenty five biggest companies on the Japanese stock exchange, and and you know we were talking about earlier about you know diversification of, of different sectors and the like, and and that's one thing that you get uh, access to when you invest in the Nikkei are are some major automotive businesses, some major technology businesses, you know, and and so. Certainly, you know, highly productive uh, companies that that are very different uh, to to what we could access in South Africa. So, so certainly worth looking at. I, I think it's a you know it's a very interesting index. Uh, and yes, you can definitely access it in in many different ways. So, so there'll be investments in South Africa, for example, where you could buy an exchange traded fund that actually invests all of its money only in the Nikkei in, index, or you can buy, for example, the World Index, where where a portion of your money will will be invested in the in the Nikkei, or you know you can buy a, a little bit more uh, kind of focused one that that invests in in Asia, um, uh, you know, w- which then includes the Nikkei. So, so you've got lots of routes just from South Africa and there'll be some RAND based uh, unit trusts as well. And, and then certainly globally, you know, you, you can open up global stockbroking accounts and buy uh, the, the, the Nikkei that way with, with, uh, with, with foreign exchange as well. So, so lots of entry points to, to the Nikkei. Definitely, you know, if you think about uh, businesses that have changed the way, you know, we we operate, uh, um, you know, and the things that we consume, especially consumer electronics, yes. a lot of that was driven out of uh, out of Japan. So, so definitely a great index. And, you know, in terms of that entry point, of course, we are from South Africa. And when you look at exchange rates, our currency is not the strongest, you know. So how much am I looking at if I want to come in entry level uh, and, you know, get a bit of uh, that share from the Nikkei index? Uh, I'm sure. I'm sure. I'm sure someone will work a deal for you. You know, but but, but I, um, you, you can, for example, uh, you know, a lot of these uh, re- really low cost platforms in South Africa will allow you to to start investments with you know amounts as low as fifty rand or you know let, let's say three hundred rand a month debit order, uh, and and you can buy a rand denominated uh, fund that that uh, you know exchange traded fund that invests solely in the Nikkei. So so I think that you can do it with relatively small amounts. As I say, you know, if you're doing a debit order, it's probably three hundred to five hundred rand a month. Uh, and and certainly, you know that that's a, a good entry point. Thank you very much, Warren Ingram. He's the personal financial advisor and executive director at Galileo Capital, telling us firstly how we can help our children get ahead in terms of making sure that we teach them about money, and also giving us a, 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 a different aspect of how we can invest in green energy stocks. And lastly giving us an overview of the Nikkei Index in Japan and how you as a South African can also get your share of the money from that index.